It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins today. And one, two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one, two, three, eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball throw a good fastball without any help. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it was a great question. I caught you toweling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Well, good morning, Twins fans. Good to be with you. Uh, new introduction on the show here twins today driven by the mauer auto group i'm your host derek wetmore i'm sitting at sunny target field where there's a youth baseball clinic going on uh, getting you ready here today for twins and cardinals from st louis the series finale i did not know that uh, tim laudner clip was going to make it into the introduction but i'm uh, can't say i'm disappointed about it uh fun to hear we're going to talk all things trade deadline this week on the show of course it was a busy day for the minnesota twins and there's i'm not going to talk around it there's no avoiding the disappointment that the day represents i mean at least i mean for me and i know for a lot of twins fans as well this was a season you had circled as you were going to be getting out to the ballpark as much as you could catching every game because the twins were going to be in a race for for first place in the american league central and who knows maybe the american league and with world series aspirations Hasn't turned out that way, not even close. And so the Twins end up trading, uh, well, a number of guys, but most notably Jose Barrios goes to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, We're going to talk about all that kind of stuff, including the return and why this, to me, is another reason you can sort of renew your optimism, get excited about next year. And it starts by saying what a disappointing position to be in a spot where you are sellers and not buyers at the trade deadline but we'll get into all that that's uh the topic of today's show i'm here with you 10 to noon right here on news talk 830 wcco and after that all across our radio network inside twins with Derek falvey then the adina realty pregame lineup card and first pitch twins and cardinals later this afternoon so full day of baseball for you i for one am excited about that on our radio revisit, we'll hear from Taylor Rogers today. We're going to do a mic check with the Dazzleman in a little bit. Talk about a 91 reunion coming up. And he's uh, he'll be modest about this, but he's been instrumental in helping pull the strings together. Uh, minor leaguer Matt Walner, former second-round pick with the Twins, Forest Lake High School, uh, is going to join us later on this show. And we talk with somebody who knows a lot about the players coming back to the Twins in these trade deadline moves. J.J. Cooper of Baseball America joins us a little bit later on in the show. So we have got a loaded show. That would be fair to say. 
We're going to start it with five thoughts, spot where we start every program here, Sunday, 10 to noon. It gets you caught up on the week. It fills in the gaps of anything you might have missed or dives a little bit deeper on the stories that we saw play out. This time, I think it's only fair that we focus exclusively on the trade deadline, and that starts with saying goodbye to a longtime twin and fan favorite, Jose Barrios, while he had some goodbyes of his own. Number one. You know, I appreciate every person in this organization since day one when I was drafted 2012 through today. Like I said, I spent my life here, be part of the twin organization since 2012. And myself and my family was happy, enjoy every day, every moment I spent here. So I want to say thank you to the Minnesota Twin organization and also the fans, you know. They, they bring me a lot of support. A lot of energy, you know, a lot of happiness, too. Kind of a sad goodbye for a lot of people uh, around the Twins organization. Barrios just really, uh, you'd have to look really hard to find somebody who didn't like the guy. Uh, just represented the Twins really well, represented himself really well. We watched him grow up. He he mentioned, and uh, the, you remember the 2012 draft because Byron Buxton was second overall, and then they drafted Barrios, who was like a shortstop slash pitcher from Puerto Rico. And gosh, look at how far he's come. Uh, incredible work ethic that always gets documented. So I'll mention it here. I can uh, I can say. From my experience, that is true. Always a friendly guy. In fact, I remember one time he had had a tough start, and I don't know if it was inadvertently walked out on the media, but did not talk after a rough start. Felt so bad about it the next day at the ballpark that he kind of gathered people and said, I'm you know, I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. This is not who I am. I don't want this to represent me. And I don't know why that's the memory that jumps to mind about Jose Barrios, but it I think it reveals a little bit about who he is as a guy. Um, he's a major league baseball player. He's been to multiple all-star games. He could he could do that without gathering people and then saying sorry, and we just kind of wouldn't bat an eye, and uh, that's not him. That's not who Jose is. So uh, we wish him the best in Toronto. Gets a chance to go pitch in a race there, and it's, uh, like I mentioned, off the top of the show, just a sort of sad symbol of where the Twins season has fallen this year, that they are sellers, not buyers, at the trade deadline. But the unfortunate situation can also have a little silver lining, and there's a lot of talent coming back to the Twins organization. One in that Blue Jays trade, Simeon Woods Richardson, is a well-thought-of pitcher in AA, still 20 years old, we're going to talk with J.J. Cooper later on uh, about this, and I asked for a, a scouting report on the young pitcher because I am just haven't seen him pitch, and I'd like to know what the Twins are getting. Number two. Well, Simmons Wood Richardson is someone who could play a part. He's been in double-A all year. He's always been one of the youngest pitchers in pretty much whatever league he's ever pitched in. A really heady pitcher, a pitcher who has always impressed kind of with his feel for pitching, and his ability to mix multiple pitches. The curveball has a chance to be a plus pitch. The fastball won't blow you away velocity-wise, but he's generally located it well. The control hasn't been as good this year, and that's kind of the question. That is the question. A lot of walks this season, but he's young for the level, and, of course, 
minor league seasons are all thrown into whack. I I like to cut a little bit of slack for uh, 2021, knowing what most of these young players went through in 2020, or at least thinking I know anyways. Um, there's, there's an open question of what does the Twins rotation look like April 2022 and then beyond? And Derek Falvey, for one, has said that they intend to compete. And if they intend to compete, then some of these pitchers are going to have to come up and really answer the answer the bell. And the Twins have added a number of guys uh, near the top of the list anyways is this young guy, Simeon Woods Richardson. So watch that name, and I cannot wait to see how the rest of the season unfolds. Frankly, um, he wasn't even the biggest part of that trade. If you listen to enough uh, scouts or, or analysts, people who follow tra- uh, prospects really closely, Austin Martin, a hitter with good on-base skills. He was the fifth pick in last year's draft. Eric Falvey told us the other day that if the Twins were picking at the top of the draft, he might have been it. He, Falvey said he couldn't remember if he was first or second on their board, but because they didn't have a high-round pick, they didn't end up spending much time on him. And now you trade a guy like Jose Barrios with another year left on his contract – these are the type of players you can ask for in return. Number three. This guy really knows how to control the, the barrel of the bat. And so he's got those kinds of like special hit skills. And I think when you have those special hit skills, that almost comes so natural to him that he can he can spray a ball to right field, you know, and move it up the middle, pull it to the pull side. And he does it so cleanly. I think when you have baseline hit skills like he does, a lot of those other things come along the way. You know, I've seen some young players that didn't have power as young players that found a way to really get into it over time. It's a lot harder in my mind to have the power base and then try and develop the hit skills later. So I'll take that foundation every day of the week. And he's got a pretty special one on that side of things. That's Derek Falvey on Oster Martin coming back in the trade. Shortstop, center fielder, could play some second base, uh, could could play around, got the athletic profile. And as you just heard Falvey say, hit tool for days, uh, getting on base a lot, not a lot of power. But do bear in mind, this is his first uh, sniff of pro ball, basically, and he's in double A. So, you know, there's something to be said, uh, former Vanderbilt, to to taking a calculated risk. And I think that's what the Twins have done here. I'll be brief about it, but they took a look at guys who had a high talent uh profile, a high talent floor, I guess you would say, who have taken a bit of a step back, at least statistically, in 2021. And I think if you look across the board at some of their other acquisitions, guys like Drew Strotman in the Nelson Cruz trade, now Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin in the Jose Barrios Blue Jays trade, yeah, they're taking some gambles on their own ability to be able to mold talent. So I I can appreciate that. That's kind of their MO and they're going all in. And you're thinking to yourself now, Derek, you're being a little optimistic for a team that's so far under 500 and has really fallen flat on its face this season in 2021. And hey, fair enough, because part of the reason is they haven't developed pitching to sort of fill these gaps left when uh, uh, Jay Happ doesn't live up to your expectations or Matt Shoemaker struggles uh, or Michael Pineda misses some time and Kenta Maeda is off to a slow start to start the season. You, You couldn't fill those gaps. And I say fair enough. That's that's a fair criticism, and now the Twins are going to have to uh, sort of bank on their own internal development there that they were talking about. I do want to mention that Rocco Baldelli has been through a sort of a, a rebuild, if you want to call it that, before. Remember, he was on those Rays teams in the mid-2000s, uh, 2003 to, to 08, and the, the Rays were really bad. 
they were really bad, and then in 2008, they went to the World Series. So Rocco Baldelli was asked by Corey Provis the other day on the Adana Realty pregame lineup card, hey, what's your message to fans who are fed up with the losing in a year that was supposed to be good and now you're selling? Number four. The message is I, I think we have one of the absolute most exciting groups of young players in the game right now. And there's going to be guys coming up, hopefully in bunches. And I've been a part of uh, different groups that have retooled before. Uh, I've seen what it looks like. I've watched it. This is exactly what it looks like when things can quickly turn around and actually go from a season like this year, which hasn't been you know, what we've been aiming for, uh, to really turning it around and really competing again. Bad Rays teams went from bad to the World Series overnight, it seemed like, and uh, I think a lot of Twins fans are hoping a similar transition can take place here. Keep in mind there was a good talent base before. Now, yes, they lost their best hitter, their best pitcher, uh, and their best relievers on the shelf, but there is some talent in the cupboards for 2022. Derek Falvey knows he has a challenge to live up to to mold that talent and make sure this kind of year does not happen again. Number five. Hey, listen, we we recognize that we're trading away talent right now in a season where uh, things have not gone our way. We know what that brings. We have to build and continue to refresh and rebuild from within. You look at teams that are that are finding a way to be successful over time. You know, we've gotten a chance over the last couple of seasons to win a lot of games. Ultimately, haven't achieved what our ultimate goals are, but have put ourselves in position. We can't let this season where we're struggling to go for nothing, right? We have to find a way to continue to develop the young players we have refresh our system, get more players that are going to be a part of this. And then we have a whole offseason to continue to work to build around it. So it's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult work as always, but we feel like we have the stable and the foundation to do it. That's their charge. That's what they are going to be asked to do in a season that the bottom fell out. We'll see if they could do it. I agree with him that they have the talent stable, but you would have said the same thing coming into this year, and still the floor uh, sort of disappeared on the Twins. That's going to be their task uh, with the players they have left. Um, I have a lot of show left, and I am excited about every single one of the guests coming up. Uh, when we do come back, well, we're going to be talking to Dan Gladden in a little bit about the 91 reunion. But first, a uh, radio revisit. Talk with a guy who, uh, somewhat surprisingly, stayed in a Twins uniform. Taylor Rogers is next right here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting out here at Target Field watching the uh, youth baseball clinic on the field, the ground ball session right now. So future big leaguers in that group, maybe, but I'm not a scout. I'm just a radio guy. This segment is a radio revisit. Taylor Rogers, uh, who last week on this show, John Heyman joined us, and he said that Rogers was more likely than not to be traded well. Fast forward a couple of days, Rogers hurts his middle finger on his pitching hand, and now he's on the injured list for the Twins. The bad news is they'll be without their best reliever. The good news is they still have their best reliever in a Twins uniform, and uh, you know he's got another year left before he can become a free agent. So I'd say that's a pretty good place to start building a bullpen. Rogers, I was afraid this would be our last mound visit with him just because of the trade deadline. Uh, it likely won't be now, and... He sat down with Chris Atterbury for a wide-ranging and insightful, as always, conversation. Here's Chris and Taylor Rogers. Taylor, I don't know how to feel about our conversation. On one hand, I'm super excited I'm still talking to you and that you're still a Minnesota twin. On the other hand, the 
part of the reason that might be the case is because you're stuck in your apartment because you can't pitch and you're on the injured list for the first time in your big league career. Fans who watched you walk off the mound and obvious discomfort this last week at Target Field, explain a little bit of where you've been since then and kind of what your status is. Well, we've got a lot of things up in the air uh, at the moment. Um, you basically, at that, the middle finger uh, threw a slider and kind of jarred my middle finger a little bit. And, uh, you know, as any dumb pitcher would do, I decided to throw another one to see what would happen. <laughs> and uh, I think I made it a little bit worse. Um, so we're in that process now of collecting opinions for some doctors and basically trying to uh, figure out exactly what's going on. You know, this is uh, fingers are kind of finicky and you definitely need those little muscles to pitch with. So being careful with it and uh, trying to do our due diligence. Is it a circumstance where you can look at this particular injury and find other comparable players? And, and it would have to be a pitcher because nobody else does with those little muscles what a pitcher does with those little muscles. Uh, is there comps for this injury where you can look around to try to maybe seek some guidance? It's a difficult part, Chris. There, there's not. It's pretty rare. Um, Dobnak had a similar deal going on, and so did Savali, uh, but theirs was more up by their fingertip, whereas mine's on the lower knuckle. Uh, of the middle finger uh, really common uh, injury for rock climbers. And I guess some basketball players like hanging on the rim a little bit, um, they can, they can, uh, you know, hurt that pulley or whatever. So this is uh, kind of the first case of a baseball player. I think this has to go back to your rim hanging days in high school, right? When you were catching all those alley-oops and flushing <laughs> all the time, is that probably what happened too much? Dunking That's probably pick up what you know, I, know you, I know you weren't a rock climber, but I'm thinking maybe the dunking could be could be part of it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what else is weird is you don't you kind of take for granted the use of your middle finger on the daily. It's uh, yeah. it's quite a bit different life. Yeah, because it's and you can't do anything without jarring it or upsetting yeah. it right now. Correct. So, so funny story. The, uh, I go to the hand specialist here in Minnesota and, and you know, when you get to a doctor's office, they hand you the clipboard and the pen, you know, fill out your stuff. And I, I look at the lady, I'm like, I can't. And she's like, yeah, this is a, a hand and wrist office. You, you'd think we'd have this figured out, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you can't even uh, fill out your stuff at the doctor. Well, so you're, you're in a state of just waiting to figure out what you can do and when you can do it. The, the game waits for no one and the trade deadline where you had mentally been preparing, I think probably to be pretty busy today. Uh, and instead you're watching the, your team uh, get shuffled around. We're not even sure an hour later where all the pieces are going to land, but let's start with Jose Barrios. You've been with Jose since your rookie year, since 2012. He's everything you want a teammate to be, everything you want a pitcher to be a guy you draft into your organization on and off the field. I'm feeling just a little bit sad about it, but I guess more than anything, wishing the best to him as the guys lined up alongside him for all these years. What are your thoughts? Man, I couldn't say it better. It's a big time teammate, big time person. Uh, really cool to see him grow. You know, meeting him as an 18 year old uh, from Puerto Rico, not being able to talk to him, you know, with the language barrier. And now fast forward with nine, 10 years and, uh, you know, you, you got a good buddy pretty cool and i've seen his kids be babies and now they're fully grown and running around the stadium and it's been pretty cool to just see everybody grow together um but yes uh i'm happy for him i hope he can go do a playoff run and enjoy toronto up there uh just like any other teammate would right chris it's uh it's kind of difficult but you kind of kick yourself too because 
you know, this, we kind of did this to ourselves. Yeah. And you've been first and foremost to say that, you know, you put yourself into this position, you know, Tyler Duffy and I were having the conversation the other day. It feels kind of like the end of a cycle. Because when you guys came up, there was a whole host of you that had started way back in Elizabethan, where you won a title back in 2012 together, seven or eight of you. Other people who were lifelong twins filled the clubhouse at one point, 12 to 15 of them. And now it's a very different look. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how things can change uh, in baseball. Um, I think we're very fortunate to have that core having gone up together. You don't see that a whole lot. And uh, we just have to be you know, thankful that it happened. Uh, you know, and then a lot of us are still here. And, um, you know, I think the plan for us is to, to come back in 2022 and, and try to make another run. How do players spend the trade deadline day? I mean, I know media members and fans are just constantly refreshing. Uh, do you guys have some sort of a subtext chat that going around? Are you talking to people on other clubs or are you like the rest of us just watching the ticker go by? Yeah, I'm just constantly refreshing Twitter, trying to see what the deal is. Uh, threw a FaceTime into Duffy uh, a little bit ago. I uh, asked him if he was still an employee of the Twins, and he said he was. He asked if I was. I said, yep, we were good to go still. And, um, yeah, it's just a wild time. It, you know, it's a, as a Twins fan, it, it's not the best time. But as a baseball fan, like, how cool is that deadline? Uh, there's some teams making some power moves, and it is really – it's going to be a fun playoffs to watch. And it's really interesting because – completely different teams you know you play for four months and then there are some teams good teams that completely revamp themselves and it's it, it's not just a given taylor that that the new pieces as good at players as they might be will slide right in because there is a harmonious balance to a winning baseball team and so that's what i'm always fascinated to watch over the next three weeks some of these additions how do they fold into the existing harmony yeah absolutely you know talking about that off the top of my head, how do you how do you handle Kimbrel and, and Liam Hendricks? You know that that a good problem to have. Great but problem who do you to throw have. out there. <laughs> you know who do you throw out there for the ninth? That's those uh, two will be wrestling each other for the chance to face the middle of the order. No kidding, no kidding. So yeah, it'll be fun to watch some baseball coming up here. It will indeed. That the voice of Taylor Rogers with Chris Atterbury every Friday. You can catch him on the Adina Realty pregame lineup card on Mound Visit. Selfishly, I mean, I'm glad that uh, you still get to hear that because I think it's fascinating behind-the-curtain insight and humanizes, you know, an an all-star closer there talking about just sharing his thoughts very openly on the radio. So big ups to Taylor for that. And uh, second and third opinion on his finger. We'll see if and when he can return this year in 2021. We are going to hit a break, and on the other side of this break, I'm going to check in with a radio teammate, Dan Gladden, on the 1991 World Series reunion that's coming up at Target Field in a couple of weeks. You're going to want to hear that interview. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Here's the set, and his first pitch to Larkin. Swung on, there it is, a long fly ball into left center field. And it is going to be a hit for Gene Larkin. Gladden scores. And once again, the Minnesota Twins are baseball's world champions for the second time in five years. It's the world champion, Minnesota Twins, and the crowd loves it. Well, there it is, a highlight you remember well. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and i got to say, my next guest I'm really excited to bring into the conversation 
because uh, the executive producer here of this show mentioned, hey, how would you like to have on the show the man responsible for the winning run? in the 1991 World Series and said, great, what time's Gene Larkin coming on? Wow. But uh, (laughs) instead, we decided uh, Mr. Dan Gladden sits next to me here. Dan, thanks for coming. Hey, good morning. It never gets old listening to uh, Herb Carneal with that call right there. But uh, that was quite the time there, and I I can't imagine, I can't believe, really, it's it's been 30 years. Yeah, unreal. And uh, it seems to fly by, but hopefully the uh, fans are going to come out. We got that. Uh, August 12th, 13th, 14th, uh, kind of a weekend that uh going to be celebrating. A lot of the guys are coming out here. So hopefully the fans also will come out and kind of go back in, in memory lane a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That weekend, August 13th here at Target Field. Tickets still available. You can get those at twinsbaseball.com. And we'll talk all about that. I'm excited about the reunion. But i got to ask you first. I've never asked you this. Were you thinking first pitch you were going to go for it in the 10th inning there in game seven? Well, he was pitching. Pena was pitching in the ninth inning, and uh, the way that that inning unfolded, everything was power. Everything was first pitch fastball, and Paul Sorrento uh, was batting with the uh, winning run on second base. I'm on the on-deck circle. Other than the catcher and the umpire, I had the best seat in the house and watched Paulie take three. Didn't take him. He swung at three balls right down the center of the plate. Hmm. And he being the hitting coach of the Angels, he was, they were in town last week. Yeah. And I was reminding all the other players and hitting coaches about <laughs> Paul Sorrento had a chance. But uh, just, you know, w- when he struck out, I knew I was going to be leading off that following inning. I remember taking my bat and my helmet and setting it right in a certain spot. So when I came in from the outfield, went right to it. I was ready to go. And I was just thinking first pitch fastball, that's, his, that's what he's going to feature here. And I thought I hit it pretty good. I, I go back and look at that. That uh, I think my at-bat prior might have cracked my bat on a ball that I hit uh, down the first baseline. So I thought it was pre-cracked. And then because when I hit it, I squared it up pretty good just that the bat broke in half. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. But it, it seemed to work out yeah. pretty good. <laughs> you got your picture all over here at Target Field for it. Twins legend, of course, and now a big part of the radio broadcast team with our mutual friend, Corey Provis. Um, we're doing this because – the 30-year, as you just said, 30-year reunion, August 13th, 14th, 15th at Target Field. Uh, tickets on sale at twinsbaseball.com. Know you're pretty uh, glued in with a lot of those guys. Some of you keep in touch with more than others. Who are you most excited to see out at the ballpark when you guys all get together? Well, that, like you said, I think that uh, we do all keep in touch with one another uh, on, a, on a pretty regular basis. And even in the off season, a lot of the guys, I spent time out. In Arizona, there's a lot of guys out there. But, you know, we're, we're really working hard to get Shane Mack out here. Oh, He's, great. His wife is uh, is ill right now. Wow. So I think that uh, uh, it, once if she gets a little bit better back on her feet, then I think that Shane, we're trying to design it to where Shane can fly out here just, if anything, for the Saturday ceremony. So uh, get him to get, get out here. David West is not going to be out here. was looking forward to seeing him. Steve Bedrosian, another one that was a big key, funny character. Uh, we're, he's still on the fence. He's having a family reunion down in Florida. He lives in Georgia. We're trying to get him also just to maybe fly in for the Friday, Friday evening and then do the Friday evening, Saturday program, and then out Sunday morning. So, uh, other than that, I think that, uh, like I said, everybody that, uh, we keep in touch with. Yeah, that's great. And I know you've had a, a big hand in some of these recruiting efforts, so that's going to be, I don't know how that landed on no. my test. <laughs> 
like, yeah, how do I volunteer for this? Mm. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I know a lot of people looking forward to seeing some of those guys from that team is back here. Uh, Twins fans, you can get autographs and photos. Guys like Jack Morris, Junior Ortiz, Brian Harper, Rick Aguilera, Scott Erickson. We could just mm-hmm. keep listing names. Also, some uh, guest speakers that you'll get to hear interviews with some of those guys. I, I know you sat down. I don't want to spoil our show here today, but you sat down with Chili Davis yeah. recently. And uh, he planning on being here this weekend as well? Yep. Chili, uh, Chili, Chili's going to be making it. Um, you know, again, here in Arizona, uh, we live out there. And uh, right now it's like 115, 16 mm. degrees. So in the summertime, a lot of those Arizonans, they, they move out. They either go up to Durango, Colorado, or go up to Payson up in the up in the foothills. Chili likes to go to Napa. So he okay. is in Napa at one of the vineyards out there. He's got a, a, a guy that uh, is a well-known, I guess, vineyardette or something. Sure, sure. It, Does the grapes. Yeah, and stays at, uh, stays at uh, his house. He's a guest there. So he's enjoying that up there, and uh, he's a big wine uh, connoisseur. You're going to be speaking. I saw the rundown. Now, I don't know uh-huh. how many secrets of these I can speak, uh, how many I can share, but I think you're kind of involved in some of this stuff, especially That's, Saturday. That's news to me. I am not, uh, <laughs> from what I understand, it, uh, you know, they, they hear enough of me already. So, you know, I kind of volunteered a, yeah. a Chili Davis, a Mike Pagarulo, somebody that, you know, was a big part of the team that the Twins don't uh, don't get to hear from yeah. uh, too often. Let them step up and do it, you know, and. You know, they, they see Herbeck. They hear they hear from Herbie. It'd be nice to be able to, uh, you know, see and you know, listen to somebody else that uh, to give a different perspective. I hear you. Yeah, you're going to have to work with your booking agent on that one, I think, <laughs> uh, Dazzle. I, 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 like Corey would say, i got to read my contract. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll put my people in touch mm. with your people. We'll figure it out. Mm. But I'm kind of uh, fascinated. Just going back to Shane Mack real quick, I, I we wish his wife the best and hope we do get a chance to see Mack here. I I don't have the expansive uh, encyclopedic history of Twins baseball. I wasn't born in 1961 when they moved here from the nation's capital. For my money, though, Shane Mack is one of the most underrated Twins in Twins history. Relatively short time, but boy, yeah. when he was here, was he ever a great player? You know, he, he was. Uh, he was an instant impact. Uh, he was a guy that I believe we came, we got him from the San Diego Padres. And it might have been back one of the time when one of the real Rule Fives, you can pick somebody. Sure. And, uh, you know, we were looking for somebody. It was um, – they had Pedro Munoz uh, that, that really didn't – you know, had opportunities. Um, it was a good player. Uh, but they felt it was Shane Mack. And the Minnesota Twins, when I came here in 87, one thing that the Twins always did is they rotated an outfield position. So it was always Puckett, Bernanski, and then it was Hatcher – uh, Randy Bush, and somebody else out there in left field. Well, when Bernanski got traded, it was myself, Puckett, left and right, and then they rotated the right field position. That was a Bushy, Larkin, uh, Mark Davidson, uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, that, that. That position was always rotated. And, and uh, from a manager's standpoint, okay, that's the way I can keep my players fresh, my bench players, because you got to have your regular guys. And then I think when we got Shane Mack, it was pretty much okay. Yeah. We've got a pretty set lineup. And don't forget, we had Chili Davis. Chili solidified so many things about our lineup because you didn't have to, you know, who's DHing today? You know, because you, you watch today's game, the, some teams, their DH will bat eighth or ninth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're, usually your, your DH is your, your premium player, is the guy that, you know, drives in the big runs. Don Baylor, uh, when we picked him up in 87. But yeah. Chile in 91, boy, a, a switch hitter, 
uh, he, he's up there with, with all the best switch hitters in baseball with power numbers. So uh, that was just a great – you know, he complimented everybody else. And, of course, Shane Mack did have a huge, huge year. Yeah. Well, heck, you're Nelson Cruz, those, those kinds of guys. Yeah. You just plug it into that spot and forget about it. A couple of things that team had from, from my outside perspective, wasn't covering the team at the time, but a great manager who you just mentioned in passing – it had great, wonderful talent, which I think we can't uh, we can't ignore. But it also sort of had that it factor. You know what I mean? It, it had that sort of gelled as a team, gelled as the season went on. From your insider perspective, eighty-seven, whatever. How does a team get that? Because I think even winning teams, good teams with good talent, are still looking for that today in two thousand twenty-one. Well, I I don't think you can create it. I think it's something that you, you it, it has to fester itself, mm. but. Um, you know, in 90, you know, we, we were terrible and, uh, we made some changes front office did and grabbed some people and, you know, Chili being one of them. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the big one, of course, uh, Jack Morris, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, I can't and, believe we got this far before we mentioned blackjack. Well, you, you got to understand we hated Jack Morris <laughs> as, as a team. We would sit in our dugout and him being, with the Tigers, we would yell at him, and oh, we yeah. would cuss at him, and he would cuss back he at us. He probably loved that, huh? Yeah, it was it was how we how you competed back then. Sure. Nowadays, if you were caught picking up a player's helmet and handing it to him, you would be browbeat by your teammates sure. in the dugout. Yeah. You, you just don't. You did at least you just didn't do that. Now it's a gentleman's game. Whereas you know we hated Jack Morris, did not like him, <laughs> and when uh, you know we lit him up one time. And uh, he took a line drive right back off his forearm mm. and, uh, you know, and stayed in the game. He was a tough guy, but we didn't like him because he competed. He, he, he probably hated to lose as much as we did. And then when we got him and signed him, you know, pitchers and catchers show up to spring training first, first 10 days. Well, Jackie had an opportunity for 10 days to kind of settle in and, and, and fluff his wings up and feathers and stuff <laughs> and feel pretty good about, hey, I'm, I'm the new Minnesota twin. Well, when all of a sudden the position players started to show up, there he is. And I remember when Gene Larkin came in there and we saw him for the first time, we said, there he is, Gino, let's get him. Because he hit Gene Larkin in the head and knocked him out one time when uh, Gino was batting. And, uh, you know, Gino had to be helped off the field. It was a very ugly situation. Yeah. So we said, okay, we're going to get you, Jack. Just so happens that there he is on our in a clubhouse. And now he's fighting those same kind of battles, but he's on yeah. your side of the trench. So, yep, yep. Man, I love hearing stories like that. I could talk with you all day about this, but Twins fans, twinsbaseball.com slash tickets is where you can get all the information on the 1991 30-year reunion, August 13, 14, 15. The Dazzle Man will be there himself and a long list of celebrated Twins legends. Uh, Mr. Gladden cannot thank you enough for taking some time on Twins today. All right, don't forget, it's Friday night and then Saturday on-field ceremonies. Friday, come to the ballpark here. It's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays as well. So hopefully everybody kind of can break out some of the Homer hankies and and whatnot and get on out here. What a fun weekend that's going to be at Target Field. Thank you. So thanks for joining us, and uh, that's Dan Gladden. You can catch him on the broadcast. Uh, Have a great show today. We are going to come back. We're talking with minor league prospect, former second-round pick, Matt Walner, Forest Lake's own Matt Walner. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830-WCCO. Okay, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Privileged to be joined right now 
by Matt Wallner, prospect in the Twins organization. Matt, how's it going for you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, the pleasure is mine. You guys are currently in Appleton, Wisconsin, as we do this show. Uh, first of all, I'd like to start here. Welcome back to the grind, because I know you were down for a little bit. How are you feeling physically now, Matt? Good. Um, it sucks. Rehab sucks. Being out for a while, not playing, but it's good to be back. So it uh, could have been worse. So. I suppose so. It's good perspective to have, but still, uh, hamate bone, never fun to have for a hitter. Um, what, when did you learn what was the progression like for you as you went from, ah, my wrist is bugging me to, oh gosh, I gotta have surgery. Yeah. Um, I knew just on a, a swing that I fouled off, uh, I heard a pop and I was pretty sure it wasn't good. So got an x-ray and didn't see anything. And eventually got an MRI and, and they saw it was broke. So surgery was uh, like about a week after the fact. So it was, um, but it was a quick, easy surgery. And, and it was Dr. Graham that I went to was awesome. And, and their rehab down in Fort Myers went, went smoothly, but it, it sucks being out. So, um, but it, it went as well as it could have. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you're 23 years old now. I've been playing baseball your whole life. This is your profession. So to be away from that for a little bit, I imagine uh, is tough. Is this your first time down? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in college, I played all the time. Never, never missed a game. Um, pro ball so far and, until this point and up through the youth ranks and whatever I, I was playing. So yeah, it, it was different for me. It was a learning process. For sure. And I should mention this for our listeners who don't know our guest or are not intimately familiar with his stats yet in the minor leagues. He's Matt Wallner, second round pick for the twins in 2019. Uh, you're going to want to remember the name. He's hitting 340 with a 389 on base slugging 689 with nine homers in 27 games. Um, how has that impacted your swing, Matt? I know that's something people always talk about with handmade bones. There are some injuries that you're just like, Hey, done. I'm past it. And there are some that you kind of wonder how it's going to, linger how how has that impacted either your swing your power anything like that um initially i i always wrap my finger my pinky finger around the knob of the bat and initially getting back swinging i, I couldn't do that anymore just because of the pressure on like the scar tissue um didn't feel too good but as soon as soon as i could get back to wrapping my pinky i, I got back to it and uh just try to get back to my normal swing. So that took about a week after I started swinging. And now I'd say it's, it's pretty normal. It gets a little sore when, I, when I get started going, but for the most, I mean, in the games, it feels fine. And, and on defense throwing it's, it's fine. So I'd say it's, it's pretty back to normal for the most part. Nice. Well, that's as good as you can hope for. I'm glad to hear that. That's uh, encouraging news. So Matt, the other thing, I don't know if our listeners know, I'm sure they do local boy, uh, Forest Lake high school, you were committed to go to North Dakota and unfortunately they cut baseball. So you ended up changing course before we get to your college days. Can you just take me back to your high school days and what being up in the air with that was like for you as a high school baseball player? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I found out, I think after my first game, my senior year of high school, that the program was cut. I mean, for a crazy senior year, going on visits on the weekends when we weren't playing and visits, honestly, missing practices to go on visits. So um, it was it was a stressful time, but it, it was a fun time and uh, ended up 
go my first visit at, at Southern Miss and fell in love with it and loved it. But my senior year of high school was crazy, and it, but it was a fun time. It was enjoyable. I can't imagine the sort of you had your plans and you got to change your plan. Part of baseball, I guess, is being adaptable, but they didn't really mean it like that. I, right. I don't think so. You end up going to Southern Miss and uh, now the school's all time home run leader. Talk about your experience at that program. And just uh, it seems like externally anyways, Matt, like it was a great fit for you. Um, but I'm not sure that you would have imagined becoming the school's home run leader when you decided to change your commitment and go there. Right. Yeah. Um, the first couple of days I got down there, I thought I was going to die of a heat stroke. That's for sure. And I've never <laughs> felt any heat like that. Um, but it was, it was awesome. I, I love the coaches down there. love my teammates and, and um, it's nice to play outside all year and be able to practice outside, but it was uh, a great experience. And, I was just had met some great friends, great coaches and mentors my time at Southern Miss and never wouldn't have changed a thing. Our guest right now is Matt Walner. He is a hitter in the Twins organization, 2019 second round pick. And I went back through that draft class, some SEC guys there. Did you, were you friends, know any of those guys that were taken around the top of the draft? Or do you still keep in touch with any uh, teammates down at Southern Miss? Yeah, I, I stay, uh, in touch with a lot of guys at Southern Miss played against, I mean, we always play our midweeks against SEC teams, whether it's Mississippi State, Ole Miss, um, played LSU Regional, Arkansas Regional, stuff like that. So um, we played against, you know, the best in the country. And it's, and I mean, like right now we're playing against Thomas Dillard, who played at Ole Miss. So just you see guys who went at the top of the draft and it's fun to get to see him again, who played in college and it's fun. It's enjoyable. As you, as you climb that ladder, as you work on your own skills, and what is that climb like for you? You know, it's, it's been a good season for you. It's going well. But I imagine it's kind of always something new to challenge yourself with. Could you just kind of explain for me and for listeners what that challenge of working on your game in the minor leagues has been like for you? Yeah, it's different. Pro ball is different. Um, college, you play three games on the weekends and one during during the middle of the week, you have days off to work on your game and maybe improve some things, work with a coach and, and pro ball you're playing every single day. So you need uh, your best swings you can get every night. And But just kind of find the middle ground of working on stuff, but not thinking about it during the game. So it's, I mean, it's definitely a grind. It's that you're always adjusting, but um, you know, it's a, it's a slow process that, you know, focus on every game and, and try and learn something that night and, taking into the game tomorrow so it's it's pro ball's different but it's fun for sure what's uh what's something you're working on right now working on uh, hitting the ball the other way um seeing the ball deeper taking more pitches in you know that that are close but still in the strike zone and uh, i feel like there's a million things i'm working on right now but <laughs> that's just some of my little focuses yeah i mean no matter what level you're at, I think people would always say that there there are a hundred different things where my mind could be. I just have to clear it when I when I when I get into the box. Uh, one of the things I've heard as a Twins, I don't know if I'd call it like a, a hitting philosophy, but something I hear talked about in the Twins organization for hitters is sort of finding a pitch, not necessarily identifying ball strike. And I think you just kind of alluded to this more identifying early in the count. What's the pitch that I can crush? And, uh, that, that sometimes is a little bit different than what's the, 
rectangle strike zone that we all grew up with or you watch on TV every night. Can you take listeners inside maybe your thought process on finding a pitch where you can do damage versus one that, that might just be called a strike? Right, absolutely. I mean, say it's, oh, well, we're typically not going to be able to drive a, a, a slider that's down and in painted away. And everyone has a different, you know, go zone. They like to call it in, in the org. So go zone would kind of be the part of the strike zone. Typically that, say, I or another teammate drives to so say that's away, up and away, you know, middle, middle, obviously for most everyone. But I typically hit the ball, um, you know, out over the plate. Better some guys hit the ball inner half of the plate a lot better so um it's just it's person to person and and um just finding your your go zone and, and seeing that pitch early and, and trying to drive it yeah it's great insight and i think it's something that we don't necessarily always see on tv so it's kind of fun to hear from the from the player's mouth uh, matt walner our guest with the cedar rapids colonels and one more question before we let you go because i do wonder I don't know that us outsiders, people who aren't involved in in working on the game every single day and trying to get better. And Matt, who are the people that you work with maybe on a daily, weekly or monthly basis as you sort of refine your game? I guess I'm talking twins development folks and coaching staff, anybody that helps you work on your craft. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes it takes a village. It takes everyone. So, I mean, the hitting coach, obviously, every day, um, you know, we're working in, with outfield stuff and Dan Gray head coach usually handles that with the in and out. And, um, you got, you know, working with the trainers to try and stay healthy. You got like, a, a rehab, um, a movement guy back in Fort Myers who like sent me, uh, um, stuff to do this morning, just keep your body moving well. So, I mean, it's, it's everyone honestly. And it, it's awesome because if you, if you don't, you wouldn't be able to stay healthy with all, all that movement stuff and whatnot. And then hitting coaches, obviously helping you with your swing every day. So it, um, it's, it is a grind. It's, it's everyone. You're working on so many aspects at one, one point, but, um, you know, you get to play baseball for a job. So that's, uh, that's all you can ask for. Great perspective, Matt. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us here on twins today. We really appreciate your insight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. That's Matt Walner, former second-round pick with the Minnesota Twins, currently starring for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. And that wraps up Hour 1 of Twins today here, but there's a whole other hour where that came from. On the other side of this news block, I'm going to talk with the executive editor for Baseball America, J.J. Cooper, on some of the big returns that the Twins got at the trade deadline. You're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and delighted to be joined on the program now by the executive editor of Baseball America, J.J. Cooper. J.J., thank you for taking some time for Twins Today. I think I'm happy to be here. And uh, now that the dust is cleared from the trade deadline, I, you know, it's nice that we all get to take at least a little bit of a breath. Yeah, I'm sure in your world, breaks are hard to come by because now we're on to the next wave. Uh, what are the winter acquisitions going to look like? <laughs> we, we've still got three, you know, two and a half months of the minor league season. We got the draft. We got you know the 2022 draft to get ready for and the majors and the Olympics are still going on. So yeah, it never slows down. But 
But man, that was a, a, a fun but crazy week that we were just coming out of. Yeah, no kidding. Baseball America's work never rests. For people who aren't already subscribers, you can check out Baseball America's analysis at www.baseballamerica.com. And to follow J.J. Cooper directly, you can just follow him on Twitter at JJCoop36. So, J.J., we wanted to have you on to talk about the Twins and their moves at the deadline. It's been kind of a surprising season in which you would have thought the Twins would have been buyers at this deadline, but instead, we know how it's gone, sellers. Nonetheless, the Twins made four moves before the deadline, and J.J., let's talk about them in order of magnitude. Uh, The trade of Jose Barrios to the Toronto Blue Jays brought back the biggest haul. The organization clearly focusing on pitching at the deadline. So before we get to Austin Martin, please tell me about Simeon Woods Richardson, the pitcher the Twins got from the Jays in that Barrios trade. I I do think there was a definite clear emphasis that the Rays had to, I mean, the Twins had to acquire pitching. And, And I do think with that, I, I, this is true with Simeon with Richardson. Pitchers who aren't that far away. If you look at when you trade away uh, a Barrios, you, you are you, you're, you're immediately opening up a, a pretty big hole in your rotation. And there's a fair question of, okay, so what is the, the Twins 2022-2023 rotation going to look like? Well, Simeon Wood Richardson is someone who could play a part, especially – especially by 23, but maybe even in 22. He's been in double A all year. He's always been one of the youngest pitchers in pretty much whatever league he's ever pitched in. Not having a great year this year, but you want to kind of give a little bit of a pass for the adjustment coming back from the the COVID year. A really heady pitcher, a pitcher who has always impressed kind of with his feel for pitching and his ability to mix multiple pitches. The curveball has a chance to be a plus pitch. The fastball won't blow you away velocity-wise, but he's generally located it well. The control hasn't been as good this year. And that's kind of the question is, it's okay, is that a, a blip or is that something that now that he's reached a higher level, he's in double-A, has he learned that these more advanced hitters, the nibbling doesn't work as much? So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as he comes to the Twins. But you are talking about someone who, is probably a back-of-the-rotation starter, and if that doesn't work out, should be a kind of a, a useful multi-inning reliever, and again, not that far away. So Baseball America wrote about the stuff and something to dream on with a young pitcher like Woods Richardson, but also you just mentioned the walk rate. Too high, even though he is a little young for the level. This may be just a general question using Woods Richardson as an example. How, how do you as an evaluator watch command as you climb the ladder? Right, because I think there's like the fork in the road where you improve command and you're a solid big league pitcher, or you maybe you don't, and then you're destined for a bullpen somewhere. When you're evaluating young pitchers, how do you try to think about command in the minors? Well, I, the the key thing I try to do is just talk to a lot of really smart scouts about this, and one of the things that you come back with is, okay, well, why is it that a pitcher is missing now? Because you'll see it for different reasons. One of the things we're, I just talked about there is just like. If you have a pitcher sometimes who the stuff's just – he doesn't have an out pitch. He doesn't have that pitch that he can go into his back pocket for whenever he needs it. Well, then sometimes you'll see those pitchers, and they'll, they'll be trying to throw that pitch just on the, the, the black of the outer edge down and away to a hitter. Well, a lot of – Greg Maddox can do that regularly. You know, to go for a guy who's been retired for a while now. But, you know, Jake DeGrom can do that. You know, but if you're 
Uh, a lot of pitchers can't. And so sometimes you'll see guys and it's like, okay, is this guy missing where he misses badly every now and then? Well, that's a delivery issue a lot of times. Or is it something where he's trying to do something that he really just doesn't have the capability of doing? You'll see guys nibble and they, this is where I think what Richardson has seen some of this, he's gotten chases on pitches just off the zone before that he doesn't get chases on now. So when you see something like that, it's it's tough to you, you got to say okay is he going to make that next adjustment because the adjustment's going to be okay at this higher level now I'm going to have to be able to find a way to get swings and misses or get takes in the zone if they're not going to chase as much out of the zone but sometimes also it's about getting ahead more you know more in counts where you can get into counts where hitters are a little more aggressive and then maybe you can get those chases again it's part of the maturation process of the pitcher but i do think delivery is a key part of this also and that is something which richard said um there, there may still be some we wrote about that there may still be some adjustments to kind of get his lower half his legs better involved in the delivery where that may help that control a little bit down the road again he is still pretty young for a guy. He's still got some development still to go. Yeah, fair point. That is fascinating insight there. J.J. Cooper of Baseball America is our guest, and you can follow him them at BaseballAmerica.com. Just a great resource for scouting in the minor leagues and everything like that. And in that same trade, J.J., I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the main player in the Jose Barrios trade between the Twins and Blue Jays, Austin Martin. Uh, he's listed as a shortstop in center field. I've read places not sure about his future defensive position. And President of Baseball Ops Derek Falvey said the other day that they aren't so concerned about his position that they'll find a place for him to play. What do you think about the talent of Austin? And also, as you pointed out on Twitter yesterday, some of the question marks of his game. I feel really good about is Austin Martin going to be a, a, a big leaguer and even a useful big leaguer? Yes, absolutely. Now, the the when you're charting his career trajectory, what it really is going to come down to is is two questions: where is he going to play, and how much power is he going to have? Now, his power has been quite disappointing this year so far, but he has had a hand injury, so you you kind of want again. You there, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray when you're doing these kind of evaluations. There's not a lot of certainty. There's a lot of subtle gradations where you're saying, here's what it is, but maybe it's because of this. If it's the hand injury, if the power comes back, that that's encouraging. But he hasn't hit for power this year. At the Futures game, you watch the batting practice. You know, this is all the many of the best prospects in the game. Austin Martin's batting practice was one of the least impressive as far as being able to drive the ball consistently, things like that. So, okay, if the power never does come, well, that will limit him a little bit as far as what his potential is. If the power does come, and this was a guy who was considered one of the best prospects in the draft just two years ago coming out of Vanderbilt, that gives him a higher ceiling. Second question is, where is he going to play? He's the, the question coming out of Vanderbilt was, can he play shortstop? We're here. We're still not that far away from his Vanderbilt career, but the answer so far seems to be maybe not. Now, he has played other infield positions before as well, did that at Vanderbilt, but it does seem like that center field may be his best fit. And if you can be a rangy center fielder, which Austin Martin looks like you can be, Quinn's fans know there's a lot of value in that as well. Um, what's interesting about this is, is 
if I'm running this through and you say, who does Arston Martin kind of remind me of in some ways? It's, I don't have those same answers when I talk about Royce Lewis. I don't know if Royce Lewis, and again, I don't think anyone knows, is Royce Lewis going to be the, the twin shortstop of the future when he comes back for, you know, from the, the injuries kind of cost him this season? Or is he going to be a guy who moves around or multi-position guy? Or is he going to be a guy who maybe moves to the outfield? We don't know the answers to that, either of those right now. But the interesting part about this is when we look to 22 and 23, the other thing is, is I don't know who the twin shortstop is going forward. And I don't think, you know, that necessarily the twins do either. If you just look at it right now, if you don't think that Anderson Simmons is going to be there for the long term, that's an open question. Well, that also means that's an open opportunity if an Austin Martin or a Royce Lewis can continue to improve defensively at stuff. It's a great comparison. I'm really glad you made it because I think it's going to be one of the most intriguing puzzle pieces that there is. It's going to come into focus here. you got a hitter who is pretty accomplished at a high level given his little pro experience in Austin Martin, but the power's still a question mark and the position still a question as well. Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see where he slots in relation to Royce Lewis. Now, I got one more for you, JJ. The Nelson Cruz trade seems like forever ago based on how active the deadline was on Friday across the major leagues. JJ, the Twins get back Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman, pitchers from the Rays organization, in that trade. And Ryan, of course, pitching in Tokyo for Team USA in the Olympics. What's your perspective on those two pitchers that the Twins acquired in that deal? Remember when we talked about the start that we're talking about the, the Twins' emphasis on pitching and close to the big league pitching? Well, Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman give you really close to the big league pitching. Would not shock me, as you mentioned, Ryan is right now pitching and pitching well. He uh, got the he he was kind of key to the U.S. Uh, win against Israel in the first game of their uh, Olympic pool play group play. But him and Strotman, both of them are pitching in AAA. Both of them, if you said if the Twins need it and decide that timetable wise it makes sense, could pitch in Minnesota this year. Now. This is, again, when we talk about certainty versus ceiling. Drew Strotman checks off more boxes as far as starter, you know, starter traits than Joe Ryan. Drew Strotman has, more, has better secondaries, has more confidence in his secondaries, has a more well-rounded pitch mix. That said, Joe Ryan has been a better pitcher every step up the ladder, and he's one of those confounding pitchers where – if you say, how does he do it? But the answer is really, even in this world where we have, we measure and analyze and track the data of everything. The answer to Joe Ryan is, is he has a fastball that's really good and it's hard to explain exactly why it's really good. It doesn't have the, the hop, the, the movement profile that teams a lot, you know, love a lot now with the, the vertical movement up in the zone. Just seems like it's really deceptive. He gets a lot of swings and misses that's happened in A ball, in double A, now in triple A, and he relies on that fastball a lot. Now, it's working for him. It's worked for him everywhere. There's never been a reason for him to change his approach so far. Now we just have to see, does that same approach work in the majors? You can find scouts who are a little skeptical about that, saying, no, he's going to have to have a second pitch that's better that gets him off of that fastball a little bit more. There are others who say it's worked for him. I think the deception is going to continue to work for him. 
So you've got him who has this great pitch that plays really well. And then you have Strotman who has a more varied repertoire of pitches, can keep hitters off balance a little bit more, but doesn't have the impeccable command and control that Joe Ryan has. That's what's always worked for Ryan is he can really fill the zone. He can really hit his spots. Strotman's still working back. He came back from a, 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 an elbow injury. And that control is not there yet. That's still on the to-do list for him. That's why I think he's probably a little bit further away. But we ranked every prospect traded at the deadline uh, you know, for all teams. I think of 63 prospects. It's worth noting the four we just talked about are all in the top 10 among all the prospects traded. The Twins wow. got four of our top 10 prospects that, as we rank them traded at the deadline. Wow. Certainly an impressive haul. Not where the Twins want to be in 2021, but they'll reload and look to build for the future. That is the voice of J.J. Cooper, executive editor of Baseball America. You can subscribe to their work at BaseballAmerica.com or follow J.J. directly on Twitter at JJCoop36. J.J., we appreciate your insight on some of the newest Twins. Thanks for joining us. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, back with more Twins Talk on Twins Today. But first, before that, we're going to talk with the sponsors of today's show. The Mauer Auto Group comes in for a chat, as he does every week. Here's Jeremy. Jeremy, how's it going today? It's going great. We're actually, we're not sweating so bad today. It's kind of cooled off a little bit. (laughs) We needed that, too. We needed it badly. Uh, Trade deadline has come and gone for the Minnesota Twins. One thing that's uh, here to stay, you and I have been talking about it all season, is that Lease Elite program at the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, for people who aren't familiar with it, can you give us an outline of that program? Yeah, what the Lease Elite does is it makes you part of the Mauer family. The Mauer organization has decided that when you lease a vehicle from us, we're going to cover all of your costs on that vehicle, everything maintenance. You know, it, basically all you have to worry about is insuring it and your gas and your monthly payment. Everything else, it's up to us. You just come back to us. Let us know what you need, whether it be an oil change, a tire rotation, whatever it is. We're going to take care of that for you. And that's part of being a lease elite customer. So these are typically three-year leases. And if somebody hears a funny noise or some rattling, you can have that peace of mind. Take it back into Mauer Auto Group and you guys are going to look at it and check it out for them. Yeah, we're going to look at it, check it out. We're going to fix it because that vehicle, when it gets turned back in, it's going to be just like it was when it was brand new. And chances are we're probably going to buy it and then put it on our used car lot too, because you've taken care of your vehicle. We've taken care of your vehicle. Why wouldn't we offer that out to our customers as a pre-owned vehicle too? You've talked to me recently too, Jeremy, about, uh, well, inventory in the auto industry was a bit of a challenge owing to COVID for a little while, but it sounds like kind of roaring back, at least at the Mauer Auto Group locations. Yeah, at our three stores, the amount of vehicles that are arriving daily, it's astronomical uh, uh, what we're getting and stuff. And the big thing right now is our electric vehicles. We've got bolts coming in and we've got the new Bolt EUV coming in. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen one of these or driven one of these, stop by and take a peek at it. They are so fast. I mean, I'm I'm an old motorhead and stuff like that. It's weird for me to talk about something that isn't burning gas, but man, these things are fast and they're cool. The technology is amazing, but that's just, it, it just shows you these vehicles are coming in. We've got Tahoes, we've got Suburbans, everything you want that has a gas burning engine. We have those also, but these new electric vehicles, it's amazing. And they lease, we were just talking about that lease elite program. They lease incredible. Jeremy, if somebody wants more information or to figure out more about the Mauer Auto Group, where's the best place they can go to find that? The best place to go is that Mauer Auto Group website. 
It's MauerAutoGroup.com. It tells you about our vehicles. You can go to each store independently. You can look at all three stores. But more importantly, it tells you about the more than cars movement that we've started. Check it out, MauerAutoGroup.com. It's great stuff, Jeremy. Uh, we appreciate your support here on Twins Today. And thank you for your time. Stay cool out there. All right. Thank you. You too. Well, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and I've got the privilege right now of sitting down with a, a friend and colleague from work. He is Elvis Martinez. You've seen him on TV. You've seen him in the dugout. He is the team interpreter, and we'll get into the, the definition of all that. But Elvis, thank you so much for carving out some time for Twins Today. No problem, Derek. Thanks for having me. I want to talk to you about your job here with the Minnesota Twins, but I think we have to intermix this, Elvis, with uh, kind of personal stuff. This is the, the people that you work with on a daily basis. You see so regularly for seven months of the baseball season. It is kind of like family. Um, some big and painful trades made by the Minnesota Twins very recently. Nelson Cruz won, Hansa Robles, and, of course, Jose Barrios I want to start here. When did you first meet Jose and uh, what your work relationship was like? Wow. Uh, well, I first met Jose at spring training 2018 after the twins hired me to be the twins translator and part of the PR staff. So we met, we established this good relationship from day one. I met his kids, his wife, his family, his mom. So he's like a little brother to me. Um, so yes, I could, as you can imagine, uh, him being traded yesterday, was a little tough, uh, obviously, cause I have to be professional and understand that this is part of the business and he does as well, but that doesn't make it less, uh, less difficult, I should say. And so it was emotional. Um, I got a call from the manager. I went to his room and gave him the news and it was tough, but, uh, I think at the end of the conversation, uh, we all understood um, how much he liked it here. And, and like you said before, uh, it, we're like family. And not just only me and him, our relationship, but like with all the other guys in the clubhouse. And like you said, we spend a lot of time together for about seven, seven, eight months out of the year. We spend more time together than with our own families. So it becomes like like a family, like, a, like your extended family. So it was tough. So basically, we, we've been knowing each other for four years, and and I know we're going to stay in touch, and uh, and I wish him the best. I, I'm, it was a little sad, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, before he left, I told him that he, that he also deserves that opportunity to go compete and uh, compete for a ring, and he's going to have that opportunity, so that's good for him. I'm happy for him as well. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there, loud and clear. I mean, just uh, just a great guy to deal with in general. And Elvis, you did a great job of interweaving there, both your professional job but also personal, because that was my next question is what you have to do. Uh, let's set aside the relationship for a second, that you're kind of saying, well, not goodbye, I guess, but see you later and, and happy travels to a friend of yours, really, when it comes down to it. But on the business side of things, what do you have to do in a week like the week of the trade deadline, Elvis, where you said you work on the PR staff, but you're also such a, a kind of a key cog to so many different players in, in making sure that uh, really that the communication is wide open for everybody, even if they don't share the same language as each other. What's your, what was your job like this week 
the dead thread line makes it a little more chaotic chaotic i said it's yeah. like um it's busier uh however i mean i have a great boss that supports me and the rest of us as you guys know dustin morse uh he's really open-minded to when it comes to all these things so i basically follow his lead we both travel with the team year-round so we're really close to a lot of these staff and players in the clubhouse this week is uh basically i support uh, with game notes that our broadcasters use so we have to comp compile and update those every single day but then we had a day off here after we flew from Minneapolis. So that day we just uh, play a little golf and nothing happened. No, no trades, no, obviously a lot of rumors, but there was nothing going on. And then uh, yesterday morning, I woke up to a call from our manager and that, that was one of the reasons Rocco took me down to the uh, dugout because of the relationships I have with the players. At some point in time, our front office realized that, the players will tell me things that they might not tell a coach. They feel more comfortable with me. And then I try and then I provide coaching or Rocco, whoever might be with that information. Cause sometimes players don't feel comfortable and that's okay. You know, and I'm like the middle guy, which I enjoy a lot. And so I got a call from Rocco and, and it was like, okay, it's happening. And I would like you to be there. Cause I know he's a good friend of yours, but besides the friendship, obviously you're coming because I want the message to be clear what's happening. Obviously it's going to be emotional and things like that. So yeah. So basically that's how it went down. It's PR, but it's yes. very much you take on an added role. In fact, Elvis, for listeners who are just joining us, our guest right now is Elvis Martinez. He is team translator for the Minnesota Twins, but he wears a lot of different hats. If you watch Twins games on TV, he's the one you see. He's sitting in the dugout. You'll see him. He's usually sitting up next to somebody, either listening and learning, or he's communicating, as is his role with the Minnesota Twins. And he makes mound visits about half the time with uh, Wes Johnson when he walks out there, too. So you've seen this man, and now you're hearing his voice um, on the radio. And Elvis, you, you did a, a wonderful job there of weaving together the parts of your job that are, that are art and the parts that are science. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about the science part of it, which is uh, there's a difference in, in my opinion of between a translator and an interpreter could you explain for our listeners the difference yeah i think uh a lot of people get confused with the difference uh a, a translator is someone that actually has to say word by word translate what the other person's saying as you can tell that's really hard to do <laughs> uh, especially in this game and how fast things move with the media live interviews press conferences and like you alluded going to the mound in a major league stadium with 40,000 people yelling, especially when we're on the road, yeah. it's not, a, it's not an easy task. So I don't know if you remember when we started the conversation today, I said I was hired in 2018 as a twins translator in 2019, when I moved down to the dugout, my title changed to twins interpreter. And it's because of the same reason of your question, what's the difference? And it came about in an interview and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm not a robot. I will forget things, you know? And sometimes there's uh, really important things that have to be said. And I'm not going to change player's message or whoever I might be interpreting for, but that's the difference. I'm interpreting. I'm going to say everything you're saying, but I'm going to use my own words. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the difference between translator and a, a translator and an interpreter, in my opinion. And I actually have Googled this and that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so Elvis brought in the experts to uh, to help solve the difference. Um, Kenta Maeda joined the twins, of course, and has his own interpreter, translator. I guess I don't know which title is carried. As you've said here, depending on what you're doing is how that title sort of fits with you. Do you guys work together? I, I mean, I, I don't know if you speak Japanese. I don't know if he speaks Spanish. But do you guys, since you're doing a similar role, do you have communication when you're either in the dugout yeah. or just elsewhere? Oh, yeah, we talk a lot, a lot. He, he only has uh, Kenta which sometimes I'm jealous about because I have like 14 guys. <laughs> right. and, I, and he's like, how do you do this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, don't keep it all we, straight. We have a great relationship. Daishi is great. Helps Kenta a lot. And uh, yeah, we, we're we great. We uh, exchange a lot of ideas. Uh, I do not speak Japanese. He does not speak Spanish. But okay. um, we learn from each other and we support each other. That's for sure. Yeah. And Elvis, uh, this has been a great treat to get to talk to you. I'm familiar with your role. I'm, I'm appreciative of you taking some time for us here to share with Twins fans and with listeners the kinds of things that they maybe don't know, they don't see going on behind the scenes. And if you don't mind, I want to peel back one more curtain on, on your role with the Twins and your role in Major League Baseball, really. Elvis, share for us, A, where you grew up, but I'm curious, too, about how you got your start in baseball, what your background in the game is. I was born in the Dominican Republic, but I was raised in Puerto Rico. My parents moved from the Dominican Republic when I was five. And then I started playing baseball around seven years old. Played middle school, high school. And then after graduated from high school, I moved to Rochester, New York, of all places. We used to have our triple A team there, which is ironic to me. Uh, and I played for, I played college baseball three years. Uh, for Rochester Institute of Technology. Uh, after that, I graduated from college, uh, hospitality major, uh, international relations concentration, and then I moved to Miami, Florida, and I became a manager with Marriott International. I did that for five years, but then I like to call it my come to Jesus moment. I was not happy in that career, and I said I need to do something that I'm happy because life's too short. So I took a course for scouting course uh, online, with sports management worldwide. I put that on my resume and I sent letters to 30 teams. And ironically, we're talking today and we're in St. Louis starting this road trip and the St. Louis Cardinals were the first team that gave me a shot in their front office uh, as a baseball operation fellow in Jupiter, Florida. I did that for the 2017 season. And then I came across the interpreting interpreter position with the twins and I reached out to Dustin Morris and I've been here since. So that's my uh, summary of my how I got into baseball. Wow. It's been a blessing and met a lot of people, just like uh, Jose Barrios and Nelson Cruz um, and all the guys in this clubhouse that, that have given me the opportunity to develop my skills and become who I am today. So it's, it doesn't happen without the players trusting me. So, so I'm proud and, and happy that, that I'm here. 
Well, and you're being modest too, Elvis, because it doesn't happen without hard work and uh, putting yourself in that great spot to be successful as well. I suppose, and I wasn't going to ask you another question, but your background in baseball must really help you when you're out on the mound and you've got 15 seconds before the ump comes out and says, hey, get out of here. You are able to communicate quickly the, hey, this yes, is what we're doing yes. first and third, or or here's how we're going to yes. attack this hitter too. I, I think so too. I, I, I think I'm blessed that way that I have that background knowledge in baseball because I actually play at a high at a high level in mm-hmm. college. So, but you're right. Once we go out there, Wes Johnson and I, um, I kind of know what the situation is because I'm obviously watching the game as well. Yeah. Uh, on our walkout, he's telling me this is what we're gonna do. So when I get there, I already have an idea what's happening. He does say stuff up there, but everybody listens. I usually, like I said, I have a good relationship with most most of the guys that speak spanish and i like to tap them in the shoulder so they feel at ease breathe calm down just listen to me just don't listen to us listen to me (laughs) because the actual message is coming from me because the language barrier sure and i just say what i have to say and we'll walk out of there obviously uh the pitcher will have to execute the plan we have i'm just a middle guy relaying a message so but usually that's how it goes it's a lot of pressure the game moves really fast Mm -hmm. and part of my job is just going out there and making the pitcher feel at ease so he can do his job with the best the best way he can um with the tools he he has so yeah right well and you help bring down that barrier so it's an important service you do and elvis this is a real treat for me getting to talk with you so thank you for taking some time for us on twins today no problem thank you there That's the voice of Elvis Martinez, team interpreter with the Minnesota Twins, works with a lot of different people to make sure that everything stays on the tracks. More baseball coming up right after this here on Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars, you're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back. Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. And uh, what fun show today. Uh, obviously not at a position that the Twins wanted to find themselves in as uh, sellers at the trade deadline, but nonetheless, a, uh, a big haul that they got in return, and we got to hear about it from J.J. Cooper, uh, the executive editor at Baseball America, and then just a fun chat with Elvis Martinez, team interpreter for the uh, more than a dozen Twins players who are Spanish language first, English language second, and Elvis does a great job with that. To round out the show, one of my friends in the business who uh, is in St. Louis right now getting set for Twins Cardinals first pitch at 115, Michael Pineda versus Adam Wainwright. He is the Star Tribune's Phil Miller, and he joins us now. Phil? Thanks for coming on Twins today. Hi, Derek. A lot of pressure to be fun, but okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah, that's right. It's fake it until you make it. At least that's what uh, what I've tried to do here, Phil. Um, tough weekend for the Twins and saying goodbye to a really popular guy, especially in Jose Barrios. Do you have, Phil, a, a standout Barrios memory? You've covered him for a long time. Uh, I remember uh, in the hallway at... Uh, at the ballpark in, I'm going to say Miami, I think it was one of the places where he was an all-star seeing him and his, uh, and his family uh, uh, behind the scenes, uh, just kind of soaking in all the, uh, all the gala stuff, all the attention is 
little daughter was uh, running around uh, enjoying all the, uh, you know, the they were getting ready for the parade, I think, uh, at the ballpark or just uh, come off the parade. But I just remember uh, him uh, running around acting uh, acting like a father uh, more than uh, a ball player and, uh, and looking at me and saying something like, uh, you know, you have no idea how hectic uh, life is away from the ballpark. So uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was, that's kind of the uh, difference in losing uh, Nelson Cruz, who was the leader of the team and a guy everyone looked up to, and uh, Jose Barreos, who was maybe more the heart of the team and uh, the guy that uh, uh, that players grew really close to and, uh, and considered him, uh, you know, their, uh, their best friend in the clubhouse. Yeah, that was my sense of it. And I haven't been in the clubhouse in, uh, gosh, coming on two years now. But my my sense from just what well, we heard Taylor Rogers talk about Barrios uh, earlier on a on a mound visit with the radio team, and just uh, what a popular guy he was. I think I misspoke earlier in the show, Phil. I said you'd have to look pretty far and wide to find a teammate who didn't like him, but uh, I don't know that that's that person even exists. Yeah, uh, he was uh, he was very soft spoken, but uh, very much uh, uh, a people person. Uh, he was always uh, he was always among uh, friends in the clubhouse and uh, uh, very welcoming. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, it's that this was his seventh year uh, in the big leagues. Uh, I remember uh, it, it seemed like you always remember the first games uh, the most, and uh, uh, I remember. He, hardly anybody well maybe tyler duffy had a more of a gee whiz uh look at uh i can't believe i'm here about him uh than uh than jose barreos but uh, of course hardly anyone belonged to be uh, at this level more than him yeah that's right and, and you know 2012 draft and the, the same draft as byron buxton and there was always this weird side conversation phil and you know we don't have to get into it but the debate between what's the level of ace before you can you know don that moniker and i just i never really felt that it was very productive jose barrios is the best twins pitcher of the past decade uh now he's a blue jay it was your report uh boy time's flying i was gonna say a week ago it might be more than that now that uh, barrios was likely to eye free agency after his team control um, expired after 2022 and he was eligible for free agency as is his right i mean even given that report in the star tribune phil do could could you see making the argument that you keep him or did you always think that meant that that he was going to be dealt this july no, I thought uh, they would keep him. I, uh, I I thought that they believed that they uh, that this year's the anomaly, that this is the outlier, that they're a better team than this, uh, and maybe with some reason. Uh, I keep going back to spring training in Fort Myers. Uh, this was about as good as I've ever seen the Twins look in spring training. Mm-hmm. So the season has been a has been a real uh, shock to the system. Uh, but I I did think that. Uh, the twins believed that uh, they could run it back next year without some of the injuries uh, and uh, and be a contender, but they needed to severely upgrade the. Uh, I don't know if you can severely upgrade something, but I'll go with it. Uh, uh, the pitching staff and uh, and it's hard to do that without uh, your best pitcher. It's hard to say uh, let's handicap ourselves even more and yeah. start there. So I. I I did think that they were going to take the risk that they could uh, sign him. Uh, Jose is a very smart guy, and he's always known his value. And uh, 
Uh, he has, you know, he's waited patiently for the chance to be a free agent next year. And he, he knows uh, that he is in line for 150 million, maybe uh, something like that. You can't blame a guy for, uh, uh, you know, waiting for that. So uh, after, after five years, um, so I, I can't blame either side, really. I, I did think it would play out differently, but uh, I, you know, if, if you talk to JJ Cooper, you know that Twins were pretty surprised by uh, how outstanding the offers they got for him were. Yeah, that's uh, certainly the way that Derek Falvey has said it. In fact, Falvey even told uh, you guys on a on a media call after the trade deadline that if they were picking at the top of the draft last year, Austin Martin was one or two on their board. Now, every baseball executive in the history of the world would say something like that if given the opportunity. Uh, yes. So just take that for what it's worth. But We uh, traded for someone we didn't particularly want. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, we were not surprised to hear the Twins really wanted Austin Martin, but, uh, you know, with good reason. Phil, it even goes back to your days covering the NBA. Never did a player, they get drafted, never did the team say, uh, well, actually, we wanted the guy taken ahead of him, but we just got sniped, and instead yeah. we took this guy as a fallback. It's always, we couldn't believe he was here. We couldn't believe yeah. he was available. Um, but you mentioned there briefly, Phil, and the sort of center point of this discussion is this, uh, well, there's almost a tension there of should this be a rebuilding moment for the Twins with all this young talent, or as they've continually stated, uh, both in public and yeah, media settings, that they believe this is a competitive club in 2022. What do you think of that belief? First of all, do you do you think this is a blip season, or are they being uh, confident when it's unwarranted in their in their thought that they can contend next year? It's hard to tell what they think. Uh, my opinion is they need to. Uh, they have set themselves up to do a lot of work uh, this off season. Uh, maybe the uh, pitchers, this uh, sudden wealth of arms uh, at the upper levels that they uh, find themselves with now, maybe it pays off. But those things rarely pay off immediately, as you know, as we saw with Jose Barrios, uh, about as good a prospect as you can get. Uh, it took him a couple of years before he was uh, at a at a uh, contending level, an all-star level pitcher. So, uh, you know, they brought in four veteran pitchers this year. All four of them have, for the large part, you'd have to say failed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, three of them are no longer on the team now. So uh, I, I don't think they can without adding more veteran pitching. And, and you know, you pay for that. Uh, they were not willing apparently, to pay for uh, Jose Barrios' price, the, uh, the 20 to $25 million a year that he's going to get. If that's the case, I remain skeptical about uh, their ability to uh, get immediate impact pitching. And, uh, it, you know, they can maybe find another Jake Odorizzi, uh, even another Jose Barrios, but they need more than that. Uh it just seems more likely that as they wait for this pitching to develop, that uh, it's going to take a year or two because these guys are all in their early 20s. Yeah, I like the uh, metaphor that I've heard repeated, the waves crashing on the beach, and they don't always crash cleanly, they don't always crash evenly, they don't arrive at the same time. This is where the metaphor falls apart a little bit, but this wave of pitching prospects. Um, I said at the top of the show, and I think you're kind of, uh, in agreement me, with me here that 
it's great to have the arms that you think very highly of, but can you say with certainty that uh, any one of these guys on the list that I could name right here is going to throw 180 innings for your big league club next year? I, I like the prospects that they have, and I just don't know that you can make that statement. Uh, you know, you could it's probably uh, worth a uh, bet to figure out when the uh, Twins will next have somebody who pitches 180 sure. uh, innings in the season because, uh, you know, Jose Barrios was a workhorse and, uh, and he, uh, he was just barely going to make it. Uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of innings as we've seen. And uh, that when you have, uh, when you limit the amount of uh, time that your pitchers get, as every team does now, you need more pitchers and, and there aren't that many uh, really good ones. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a matter of uh, yeah, piecing, piecing it together. Uh, it, there's a reason they have <laughs> excuse me, uh, more pitchers than they can probably use on a big league staff right now because some of them won't make it. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, uh, if they use this year, 20-some uh, pitchers already. So uh, yeah. that's kind of, the, kind of the way of the world now. I, it, it's... As I sit here and talk about it, I really am uh, having trouble. Uh, it does focus the mind on how difficult the task is in yeah. front of them. It's uh, difficult to see them bouncing right back in one year. Yeah, it's a, it's a tall mountain to climb, and that's their task now. That's their charge. Uh, the voice you're hearing is Phil Miller. He covers the Twins for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Miller Strib. He's sure to follow you back. And uh, you can also check out his work online. <laughs> uh, he's shaking his head because he probably won't. Uh, but that's okay. We still love you, Phil. We we uh, support you at the newspaper, so go do that. If you're a Twins fan and you're not subscribed to the Star Tribune, get signed up there. Because, Phil, that's where you could read about the Byron Buxton trade sort of um, soup. We got a couple minutes left here, and I want to talk about your report that there was no offer to the Twins that cleared the bar for Byron Buxton. What does cleared the bar mean, and what does it indicate to you about where the Twins are and Byron Buxton is as we head into this winter here? The bar was apparently a young player who is in the big leagues already or is ready to uh, be a regular, everyday contributor in the big leagues, plus a couple of players, uh, at least two, I heard, uh, players that uh, will soon be uh, I would I guess I would characterize it as the Jose Barreos Hall plus uh, another uh, big league uh, regular so uh, um, it's quite a it's quite an ask it's but you know I, that if the twins believe that Byron Buxton when healthy is Mike Trout is uh, you know uh, Tatis is uh, Guerrero uh, that's a uh, uh, it, it's it's what the price is. Um, I am uh, not surprised that nobody was willing to uh, give that up for somebody who has played only 27 games this year, I think it is. Um, but, uh, you know, that is the basic central conundrum of uh, being Byron Buxton's employer. Uh, there's uh, no better player when he's healthy, and there's no player as uh, who's healthy as little as uh, Byron Buxton. Very well put. Almost uh, like a written sentence there. Just a master of your craft, Phil. Uh, and and <laughs> that is it. That is it. Um, we only have two minutes here, Phil, but I want to ask you one specifically. This is a question 
only you can answer. And uh, it's because the 91 reunion here, the 30-year reunion is coming up at Target Field in a couple of weeks. And I know uh, I'm, I'm smacking my forehead too. It's amazing to me. But you are a bit of a World Series connoisseur. Do you have memories of the uh, 91 World Series that you could share with us quickly? Uh, absolutely. That was an exciting one. Not for the Twins. Uh, it, it, uh, from this view, it's a Twins uh, series, but that was the uh, Braves mania. The Braves were terrible for decades and uh, suddenly made the World Series. I went to Atlanta, could not scalp my way into game three, Okay. Uh, but uh, ended up, long story, ended up watching the game with uh, Doc Rivers at a bar he owned. Uh, uh, but got into games four and five, was not planning to see the end of the series. It, it was such an incredible series. Flew to Minneapolis, uh, scout my way into games six and seven, which, uh, you know, are probably on the field. Uh, earthquakes aside are probably the most vivid memory of uh, I have of, of World Series. I've never been to a sporting event louder than game six, Kirby Puckett's home run to uh, force a game seven. Uh, my ears are still ringing and... My ears really are ringing, so uh, it, it may well be Kirby's fault. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Phil, uh, just a quick question because I, I knew this World Series fact about you. How many have you been to now? Uh, the last 34. I've been every at least one game of every World Series since 1986. Uh, I My 100th and 101st game uh, was last year in Arlington. Wow, wow. I can't wait for the, the book whenever that is uh, ready to come out. I have to finish uh, going to all the World Series I'm going to before I write it, though. Oh, fair enough. Fair point. Well, that is the voice of Phil Miller. He covers the Twins for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Follow him on Twitter, at MillerStrib, or check out his fine work with a paid subscription to the Star Tribune at StarTribune.com. Phil, uh, it's always great catching up with you, and thanks for taking some time for Twins Today. You're very good for a guy's ego, Derek. I uh, love uh, doing your show. As I told, I think it was my dad when he said, hey, you said some really nice things about your guests. I said, yeah, you butter them up before they come on the show so they'll come back. No, no, no. It was all sincere. That's right. (laughs) Exactly right. right. Well, Phil, thanks a lot, and we'll catch you on down the road. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Phil Miller in St. Louis reporting on the Twins and Cardinals about ready to get going. A couple more hours, a 115 first pitch. Twins and Cardinals before that. We are going to hear from a guy who knows a lot about what happened with the Twins at the trade deadline. That's because he's the president of baseball ops. Derek Falvey joins uh, Corey Provis on Inside Twins right after this show is done. We're wrapping up here now, so you're not too far away from hearing the the man who knows what every phone call, every trade offer, anything said about Byron Buxton, what ultimately happened with Jose Barrios, Hansel Robles, Jay Happ, on and on. He is Derek Falvey, and you can hear from him at noon all across our Twins Radio Network. Then it's the Adina Realty pregame lineup card. We'll get you set for first pitch. Twins and Cardinals from St. Louis. It'll be Michael Pineda on the mound today. Adam Wainwright for the Redbirds. That's it for this show. If you missed anything, go ahead and catch the podcast. Twinsbaseball.com slash podcast. You can find that or wherever you get your shows. You can find Twins Today. J.J. Cooper with a great deep dive on the Twins prospects coming back. Matt Walner joined the show. Elvis Martinez, team interpreter. And 
Phil Miller. We thank our great guests today. Can't wait to talk to you next week on Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore. You're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.